Well, good morning, Faith Fellowship Church. Welcome this Easter morning. You know, we've heard that Easter greeting twice already in English. Let's see if you remember what it is in Greek. If I say Christos Anesti, huh? <laughs> All right, your response is Alithos Anesti. So Christos Anesti. Ah, oh, there you go. Now you know it in Greek as well. If you're just visiting us today, we are in a new series this year. We are simply calling The Life of Christ. And we've been following the life of Jesus from his birth into his ministry. Two weeks ago, we looked at the call of Matthew by Jesus to be one of his disciples. Not just a random follower, not just a random disciple, but one of the inner circle, one of the gospel writers, perhaps one of Jesus' most surprising picks. What a radical thing for Jesus to do to call this tax collector and sinner to be one of his own, this social, almost criminal outcast. He gave Matthew a fresh start at life. And Jesus is still doing that today through the power of the resurrection. Amen? Yeah, today he is calling you and me to a fresh start with him all because of the power of the resurrection, all because he is alive today. I've been watching TV and a Geico commercial came on. Not the recent ones, but an old one. They've had some good ones, like when the camel walks through the office on Wednesday going, what day is it? Everybody goes, hump day, right? One of the Geico's, one of their most successful ad campaigns was, was based on a phrase they pretty much taught everyone by simple repetition. You might be able to guess what it is. 15 minutes could save you 15 minutes or more on car insurance. This message today is brought to you by Geico Insurance Company, just to be clear, right? They started that ad campaign many years ago, and, and here in the last couple of years, they've added a twist to it. The commercial starts off with one person saying that phrase, huh, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. And another person says, everybody knows that. And then the other person says with some indignation, well, did you know, yada, 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 or did you know that owls aren't that wise? Well, let's watch and see. Huh. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Yep, everybody knows that. Well, did you know that some owls aren't that wise? Don't forget I'm having brunch with Megan tomorrow. Who? Megan, my coworker. Who? Seriously, you've met her like three times. Who? <sighs> Geico. 15 minutes could save you. Well, <laughs> you should have stopped at the first who. Any husband knows that. You just agree and move on. Well, my favorite one of all is one where they say, did you know that Pinocchio was a bad motivational speaker? He comes on, Pinocchio, and he's trying to talk to all of these salesmen, and he says, you have potential, and, and you have potential, and then his nose begins to grow, and it doesn't, it doesn't end well. Huh. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know Pinocchio was a bad motivational speaker? I look around this room, and I see nothing but untapped potential. You have potential. You have... Oh, boy. 
Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. <laughs> that is much the way the world looks at Easter. Today is Easter, the day Jesus rose from the dead and came back to life. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know that that same power is available to you today? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can give you a fresh start at life. Let's pray and see what God has for us today. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you that Jesus is alive today, that he is risen that he is risen indeed. We thank you that we can know him, that he came to redeem us by simply dying on the cross, but not staying there. Three days later, victoriously rising again. And because of that resurrection, we have hope. We have the possibility for life, the possibility for a new start in Jesus Christ by the power of the resurrection. We thank you for your presence here today as we open up your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I was channel surfing one evening and I came across an old episode of Undercover Boss all the way back from 2013. Now, I came in at the very end of the show, which I think unmistakably is the best part in my opinion. The show has been on amazingly for 11 seasons and was just renewed for a 12th season. You wonder how these reality shows keep going year after year after year. Survivor is one I think I watched Two episodes when it first came out. That show is still on. I can't believe it. There are so many to watch. And like all reality TV shows, they have their made-for-TV moments, but it is reported to be one of the most real reality TV shows out there today. For those not familiar with the show, the CEO of some organization will go undercover and work at various jobs throughout the organization. And it's usually very eye-opening for the CEO to see, meet, and to get to know the hearts of the employees that work at those lower levels of the organization that they chair. On this particular episode, the CEO was a woman, Jane Grotty Abel, owner and chairwoman of the board of Donato's, an Ohio-based pizza chain that grossed last year over $391.7 million. That's a lot of dough, pun intended, right? Abel's visit to her company's site was not without the usual reminders of America's workforce overcoming hardships in life. There was Buffy, for instance, an assistant manager for Donato's in Vienna, Virginia. She commutes 40 hours to work a day. She had to abruptly change her career path after her life fell apart two years before this episode. She used to be the general manager of a hotel, but after a party she accepted at the hotel's conference center, ended with the death of a 19-year-old employee being shot to death by one of the party attendees, she felt responsible. She left that job. She was a middle-aged woman. Her marriage was falling apart at the same time, and she decides to start over with Donato's. And there she was on the show, hustling around the kitchen, making sure all the toppings were placed edge to edge, as was her responsibility. She was a real hustler, dedicated to working hard in spite of her own hardships, looking to start life over, to get a new start. And at the end of the show, the, the workers are all flown out to the corporate headquarters for the big reveal where they, they meet the CEO who they thought was a new employee. And as the CEO, Jane, and Buffy talk, Jane revealed a few changes that were going to be happening for Buffy. She was so impressed with Buffy 
She was going to be promoted to full manager with a $17,000 raise. She was going to get $40,000 for her kids' education. And if that wasn't enough, she was going to get $30,000 for her own personal finances. I think I'm going to move to Ohio and work for Donato's. Buffy said she never thought life could change so much in 15 minutes. I got a fresh start. Now I'm going to be able to start living. I thought about that. Buffy got a fresh start. How many people do you know like that? They're middle-aged. They're not really living. Like Buffy, they need a fresh start. Maybe that's true of you. Maybe they think they're living. They get up in the morning, they go to work. They do their job, they come home, they eat some dinner, they watch television, they go to bed, the next day they get up and do it again. The next day they get up and do it again, and the next day they get up and do it yet again. And on the weekends they piddle pal around and they're thinking, man, I'm living. But really they're just existing. They're dying to live, but in reality they are just living to die. Let me put it this way, have you ever been halfway through a project and wished that you could start over? Halfway through painting a room, and decide this color is terrible, I want to start over. Halfway through clearing out your garage or, or raising your kids and you wish you could start over. Halfway through your career, halfway through your college education, you just wish you could turn back the clock a little bit and do it differently. Easter is all about getting a fresh start. Bible says this, Paul is talking about the power of Christ being crucified in 1 Corinthians, and it is because of him, he says, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Redemption is all about a fresh start. The message puts it this way, that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. Most of the world knows that Easter is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God came to earth in human form, became a man, lived a perfect life so that we could see what life was all about. He died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. There could be rest, uh, a, a reconciliation between us and God. And he said, I'm going to let all of these people kill me and prove that I am who I say I am. I am God by raising myself again three days later. And that's exactly what he did on Easter Sunday. Three days later, he rose again back to life. And he walked around Jerusalem. And hundreds of people are recorded, both in the Scriptures and outside of the Scriptures, to have seen him. Even history is split into A.D. and B.C. by the most significant person in history to ever live. Most people know that around the world this weekend, Christians will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what they don't know is that same power is available to you today to bring new life, new change, and a fresh start in your life. Paul says in Romans, Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In other words, because Jesus rose from the dead, he can give you new life too. You see, the purpose of Easter is not for religion or religious people. You may not be a, a very religious person. Maybe you don't go to church. Maybe you only go on Easter. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe once in a while you attend a funeral or a wedding. Maybe you don't feel connected to God. Congratulations. This is your holiday. This one is for you. Easter is God's invitation to non-religious people. 
Easter is God's invitation to outsiders saying, I want to give you a fresh start, a new chance at life. Jesus says, I'm here inviting outsiders and insiders. I'm offering an invitation to a changed life. I want to give you a fresh start. So the natural question is, what changes? What changes when God gives me a new life? What's new in a new life? What's fresh in a fresh start? That's what I want to talk about this morning. We're going to look at three specific things that God changes, that he makes new in your life, all because of Easter and resurrection power. What happens when I open up my life to God and say, God, I really don't understand it all, but I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want a fresh start. A lot of things change in your life. We're going to look at three. Number one, you get a new clarity about life. The first thing that happens when you open up your life is that you're going to get a new clarity. You're going to start to see things differently, much more clearer. You get a clearer picture of your life, of your relationships. You start seeing your problems differently. You start seeing your past differently. Your present and your future differently. You start seeing other people differently and circumstances differently. You start seeing God differently. Everything changes in the way you see because you get a new perspective and it just becomes a lot clearer. That's the very first thing that happens. And I've heard it over and over again from people when they open up their life to God. That's not by accident. Notice what Jesus has to say. John records it this way. I am the light of the world so that if you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness for living light will flood your path. You won't be stumbling through the darkness. I was lying in bed one night. I couldn't fall asleep. It was one of those nights when all you want to do is sleep. But no, your brain says, we're going to plan the rest of your life tonight, right now. No sleep for you. I was lying in bed. I'm tossing and turning, just staring up into the darkness at the ceiling. My body is crying out for sleep. When my stomach begins to churn, something wasn't right. And my stomach said, water. I want water. You ate something bad. I want some water. <laughs> Am I the only one this happens to? <laughs> no, it didn't speak in words that you could understand. It kind of had this groaning and grinding sound. In the original Greek, that means I want some water. Give me water. So I got up to go to the bathroom, all quiet, so I wouldn't wake my, my wife. And my body just started having this whole conversation with itself. My big toe said, you should turn on the light. But my stomach said, I just want water. Focus. Remain focused. Focus on the water. And in the dark, as I made my way to the bathroom, I hit my big toe on the corner of the metal ironing board. And it was the one where the rubber cap had fallen off, which always seems to happen. I just hit that raw metal edge. And it was at that point that my stomach said, forget the water, just take care of the toe, right? You ever feel like you're stumbling through the darkness? You ever feel like you're just kind of stumbling around, not really sure where you're going? Maybe you're stumbling through life and you don't even know it. Well, how do you know you're stumbling through life? Well, you're stumbling through life when three things are true about you. You're not really sure where you are. You're not sure where you're headed. And you got a lot of bumps and bruises. If you got a lot of bumps and bruises in life, it means you're stumbling through life. Why? Because you're in the dark. And you're not going to... You're going to do more than just stub your big toe. You haven't got God's light to show you how things can be so much clearer. And you tend to be a whole lot more confused. During the Iraq War in 2003, one of the greatest advantages that the American troops had 
was the ability to see in the dark. Everyone had night vision goggles. They were issued to everyone. In fact, it was why the special forces were able to free the POW Jessica Lynch, if you remember all the way back that far, because they used night vision goggles. If you can see clearly in the dark while your enemies are confused, you're going to win every time. The truth is most people walk around confused. They ask questions like, why don't my plans work? Why are my relationships so difficult? Why do things happen to me the way they happen? I can't seem to get balance in my life. I'm tired all the time. What is the purpose of this all? When you ask those kinds of questions, it means one thing. You're not keyed in to God at that point because God is not the God of confusion. Here's the principle. The further away you are from God, the more confused you're going to be about life, about your relationships, about your career, about your friends, your family, your money, your future, your past. But the closer to God you get, the less confused you'll be. Because God is not the God of confusion. When you get close to God, you get clarity. You get a new clarity about life. When you get away from God, the further away you are, the more confused life tends to be. It's all the way things seem to work, and it's all a matter of perspective. In 1961, Yuri Gagarin, a Russian cosmonaut, went up, the first man to circle the earth. He did one revolution around the earth that took 89 minutes. And when he came down... He said, I looked, and I looked, and I looked all over the heavens, and I didn't see God anywhere. And all of his like-minded countrymen went, that proves there is no God. Scientific proof there is no God. A few months later, John Glenn went up, and he circled the earth three times, and he came down, and he walked out, and he said, I saw God everywhere. I felt his presence everywhere. The heavens declare the glory of God. A couple of years later, Frank Borman took the first team out of Earth's orbit, Apollo 8, and he said, I had this tremendous feeling that there is a God and there was a beginning to it all. A little while after James, a little while after that, James Irwin walked on the moon and he said, I felt the power of God as I have never felt it before. What made the difference? Was Gagarin lying and the others telling the truth or was it that they just saw things differently? The difference was is that Gagarin had already made up his mind that he wasn't going to see anything. He was an atheist, and so he had closed his mind to even the possibility that there might be something larger than himself. There might be a God out there. The most closed-minded people I know who those who say, I've closed my mind to the possibility that God exists, which to me makes no sense considering how infinitesimally small our knowledge is. Now, I'll be honest with you, there are some things we won't know until we get to heaven. But we have this hope. When, he gives, when we give our lives to God, we open up and we trust Him that some things that don't make sense now will one day make sense as He gives us understanding. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, he says, one day you will see everything with perfect clarity. Then you will know everything completely just as God knows us now. You see, when you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ, not only do you get a new perspective, not only is your past and present clear, but you also get a new confidence about your future. How many of you know what's going to happen in your future here on earth? I don't see any hands. That's because we really don't. We don't know what's going to happen in our future here on earth, and that can create a little insecurity. But God says, I want you to be confident about your future. I've been an elder and a pastor here at Faith Fellowship since the very beginning for over 22 years now and in ministry many years before that. And I've discovered one thing. 
Everybody hides their insecurities. Everybody. The toughest, most self-confident person you find, on the inside, that person has inner fears, inner worries, inner doubts, and is afraid that somebody's going to find out all about them. We may have an image of confidence on the outside, but inside we all deal with fears and insecurities. And, is the, and the problem is, is that we tend to base our, our confidence on the wrong thing, like our achievements or our acquisitions, the things we buy, on our, or, or on our appearance. And that, that's not a good source of confidence. Just about the time that I thought my beard was really starting to look good, it turned all gray. Yeah. And then I developed a furniture problem. My chest fell into my drawers. To be politically correct, I prefer not to think of myself as overweight, but nutritionally enhanced, right? Or, or volumetrically challenged or, or short for my weight. Right? You think you're looking so good, you got those uh, pearly whites and you got buns of steel, but you know, buns of steel are heavy and eventually they will, they will fall, they will sag. So if you put your confidence in the way you look, you're going to feel confident for not for a very long time. The solution is to let God give you confidence. If you go through the Bible, you discover that there are many things that he says will produce confidence in your life. Here are three. God offers complete forgiveness. Everything I've ever done wrong. That's an amazing source of confidence. Paul tells us in Romans that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. The greatest destroyer of confidence is guilt and shame. I'm afraid that somebody's going to find out what I did way back then what I said, what I've done in the darkness of night. And that shame and that guilt keep us from being confident. God says, I want to give you a fresh start. I want to wipe the slate clean. I want to give you a, a clear conscience. I want you to live a life with no condemnation. If you've never experienced this, you have no idea how good it feels to be totally guilt-free. It produces enormous confidence in your life. God says, I will wipe all that out and give you no condemnation. You'll just start over. You have closure to your past. Your past is your past, and it's past. I can trust God to work out the details of my life. That gives me confidence. Paul says in Romans, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's not that it's all good, but God says, I'll work out the details in your life. You know those problems in your life? I'll handle them. I'll work them all out for your good if you just love me and obey me. The things that are beyond your control are not beyond God's control. I'm confident because I know that God will give me strength for whatever I face. I can do all things through him who gives me strength, Paul writes to the Philippians. Sometimes you feel like you just don't have the strength. Lisa Slatko shared a word with me a long time ago. The word was procaffeinating, and it means this. The tendency to not start anything until you've had a cup of coffee. So now you've got a new word. I've got to procaffeinate. Coffee doesn't help this kind of tired. This is running your whole life on your own energy, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You were never meant to run on that energy. God meant for you to be plugged into him on a daily basis. Today we're told to be self-made men and women. The problem with a self-made person is, they often worship the maker themselves. The famous author, Ernest Hemingway, was a model of self-sufficiency. Hemingway worked very hard at projecting this manly man's image. Strength, hard drinking, hard living, lots of women. 
living any kind of life that he wants. He projected this aura of self-confidence and self-sufficient strength. In fact, in 1961, a magazine did an interview with with Hemingway lauding his lifestyle. And ironically, the last phrase of the article ends with a quote from Scripture. The wages of sin is death. They never followed up that interview because it was six months later, Hemingway put a shotgun in his mouth, pulling the trigger and committing suicide. His last words were reported, reportedly these, My life is as empty as a vacuum tube. He also wrote, I can't stand to think that my life is just going so fast and I'm not really living it. He had this image of strength, but inside he was crumbling. Maybe you felt like giving up. Maybe you've come here on Easter because a friend or a relative or a neighbor invited you and you felt like throwing in the towel. God brought you here today so he could tell you, don't give up. Don't do it. I am here to give you a fresh start a resurrection start. And I will give you strength that you didn't think you had because you don't have it, but I do. So not only do you get a new clarity about life and a new confidence about your future, the best thing about this fresh start is you get a new connection to God. I'm not afraid of an unknown God anymore. All of a sudden, I get to know Him up close and personal, a brand new connection. Paul says, now we rejoice and our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends of God. That's reconciliation. Imagine that. The most mind-blowing truth in the entire universe is this. The God of the universe wants me for his friend. He wants you for his friend. Did you know that's why you're alive right now? You were made so that God could love you and that you could love God. The reason you're taking a breath now, that your chest is moving in and out, is because God has decided to love you. He made you to love you, and he made you to love him. You were made for a relationship with God, not just for 80 or 90 years, but forever, for an eternity. God wants to keep you with him forever. That's the purpose of life, to know God in its fullness and to live life to its fullness and its completeness. He knows everything about you, and he wants you to love him back. He's seen every part of your life. He's seen you formed in your mother's body. He saw you take your first breath, speak your first word, skin your first knee, make your first mistake. He saw your first kiss. My mother actually saw my first kiss. I was, she was picking me up. This is in my notes. This is where I usually get in trouble. See, I was, she was picking me up from a week-long Bible conference for kids, youth camp. And as we're coming down the hill, I had a week-long romance at the age of whatever I was, 13 or 14, and I turned around and planted this kiss on the girl I was with all week, tongue and all, turned right around, and I said, Hi, Mom, are you ready to go? And she stood there with her mouth open in shock. What do you learn at these camps? I'm not sure I'm sending you back again. God has seen all of these things. He's watched everything in your life, and he knows everything about you, and he still loves you. And he says, I want you to know me, and I want to have a connection with you. I want a relationship with you, not a religion. Notice the verse doesn't say, I want you to have a wonderful new religion. God says, I want a relationship. It's about friendship. I want to know you, and I want you to know me, and I want you to know the power of the resurrection. 
I know a lot of people who go to church their entire lives and still don't have a relationship with God. They don't know Him personally. They know about Him, but they don't know Him personally. And God says, I made you for a relationship with me. I want you to know me. Who is this relationship available to? Paul says, in this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters, and he is equally available to all. Worship team, you can make your way back up. That means you. That means now. That means at this service. You know, that's why you're here, don't you? That's why you're here, because God brought you here because he wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to sit still for just a few moments while he says, and it sinks in, that he loves you that he made you, that he created you for a relationship with you. Some of you have been hurt by people in the past, maybe so-called Christians. I would say don't let the stupidity of someone else stand in your way of the greatest relationship that you will ever have. Don't let them get in the way of what will change your life forever. All you have to do is say, God, I want a fresh start. I want a relationship with you. You may think you're hopeless. You may think you're, you're helpless. You may think you're unworthy, too old or too young. It's too late. God says none of that is true. No matter what happens in your life, God wants a relationship with you, and he desires it today. Today I'm talking to that one person who is ready for a new life, a new beginning, for a fresh start, and that can be right now. It's as simple as saying, Lord, I want that same power that raised Jesus from the dead I want that in my life. I want resurrection power. I want to know the change of being free from guilt, of being forgiven for the things that have happened in my past. Lord, I accept you into my life. I confess I can't do this on my own, that I am a sinner by nature and by choice. Cleanse me. Come in, and he will do so if you pray that prayer. I want to close with these words from Peter in his first letter and then a song. I'm reading from the message, 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when we will have it all, life healed and whole. Faith Fellowship Church, know that God is for you and not against you. Have a good day in Jesus. We'll end with a song.